I'm looking for similarities in the way troublemakers think. This is Steve St. Clair, co-founder of Trouble Group. Join us as we learn from others who are shaking things up. My family is very aware of our diet, of the importance of getting outdoors, of consuming natural, unprocessed foods, and more. Three out of four in my family have gluten issues, and four of four of us have milk issues. So I've seen companies some might consider outside the mainstream. Today I'm going to introduce you to a company founder in the botanical medicine space who's got a strong business acumen and years and years of experience behind her. She's been practicing herbalism over the past 11 years and is an expert on women's sexual health and well-being. Bridget Malloy is a certified herbalist and sexual wellness expert. Welcome, Bridget. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me today. So first, Bridget, for so few words, the vision statement on your website says a lot. Quote, to inspire the vibrant health of people and our planet, we embody a culture of well-being through high-quality, accessible, fun, and personalized botanical solutions. What does that statement mean to you and to those people who you help? So that statement took quite a while to write. Um, Overall, I would say that the idea is really to connect people to our planet. So many of the medicines that we've been consuming historically have been plant-based. And so I really like to make sure that people are connected to that and that they're able to actually get out into nature and get excited about nature, go out and have fun. A lot of the fun I feel like is kind of taken out of health sometimes. So I like to try to get it back in there and get excited, get people excited about seeing how they can use different plants, make teas, craft, maybe teach them a few things, hopefully. That's the whole idea behind a lot of this. And really connecting them to a couple of different things that they can actually use long-term, but also find a couple of solutions that may be here and there for acute situations they might also find support with. Tell me about the market for botanicals. Does everyone out there bring as much science to this as you do? So it's definitely a growing market for sure. And, you know, honestly, I've, over the years, I've really seen a lot of different products out there. The science that I bring to my products is years of doing molecular biology and biochemistry and combining that really into, again, also then the pharmacology. So like how is a plant phytochemical actually interacting with your body's physiology? So I really like to bring that that into the picture and make people aware of the fact that plants have these different phytochemicals. They benefit us. And how do we actually extract those or make sure that we're combining these different plants in beneficial or synergistic ways? That's a little bit beyond just saying like, here, take this. It's good for X, Y, or Z. I want people to know like the why behind it, some of that research. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think a lot of the products are as sciencey as they could be and certainly not as much in the herbalism world. But there is a lot of tradition behind the use of these different plants as well, which does have quite a bit to say for it as well. So you've been chasing this for a number of years, I imagine even in college, right? Yeah. (laughs) 
Tell me your college background. So um, I was studying molecular biology and ecology and evolution. Had my heart set on becoming a marine biologist. And eventually, I took this one last class. It was a garden design class my last semester. And had kind of discovered, oh, wait, herbalism is a thing. I had always drinking tea, you know, since I was little growing up. We had an herb garden. My grandpa made elderberry wine, planted ginseng in the hills of Iowa. Um, but I always, you know, I didn't really think that there could be a career of it necessarily. And so at the point when I was graduating, I realized that, hey, I can actually combine a couple of these neat things. And I was set to, I was set to go to the Virgin Islands. It was pretty cool. A week ahead, I actually left the master's program and went to Italy to go study herbal medicine there for a little bit. So it was kind of a whirlwind of experiences, but really fun. You approach this scientifically. Mm -hmm. I haven't been around it enough to, to understand how different that is in your market. It's definitely so a lot of herbalists will study go into an herbalism program. Probably, I mean, the most likely thing is because they themselves have experienced um, something and or they've gone to doctors for an issue, and nothing is really helping. And so they turn to herbs. So there's a long tradition of using different plants from around the world. But a lot of the, the programs, you'll get scratched the surface of you know, biochemistry, a little bit of how things work, um, but really not down to that molecular level of like, what is the molecular biology of something or what is the pharmacology of it? And that's, that's where I really got my training. Um, mostly in the, for graduate school programs is where I got my chemistry training. And um, yeah, it's not, not really heavily there, I don't think. So it's, Scratch on the surface, again, is how I might describe it. Because there's a lot of stuff behind, a lot of science behind it. Just a lot of people don't have that solid background of like six years of studying molecular biology or pharmacology. To me, that's a major differentiator for you. And also, I think as people get to know this, and I, I'm just, again, I'm probably bringing my own bias, being skeptical about no, many yeah. things. But... I think when people understand what you've gone through to get where you got from an educational point of view and mm -hmm. a scientific approach, they'll change their mind very quickly about the benefits of botanicals. Yes, I would certainly. Yeah, that's definitely true. Because I think that once people know that, oh, you're an herbalist, they sometimes there's a like discount almost that people just say like, oh, it's just teas and the stuff, but really there's all that science training behind it. So I feel like a lot of people don't understand. And that's definitely one of the, the things that's been hard to communicate with people is like just how much science there actually is behind plants and plant medicine and how we can actually formulate different products. And it is happening with some places, but it's certainly not, not done, you know, to the par, I think that I'm doing my formulating. So I think that I'm up there with some, a couple of the other companies, but, um, not, yeah, not a whole lot are doing that. I don't think like you'll see Etsy or things on Amazon or things just online. And it's really like, well, what, 
what kind of background do they have right. to have made that? Right. And people are putting this stuff in their bodies, hoping for some sort of answer, maybe, or whatever. Or maybe they're just, maybe it's just fun. But, um, and, and they are that as well. Yeah. <laughs> so as background, and I pulled mm -hmm. this from somewhere, your website maybe, since 2014, you've formulated and manufactured over 40 products and developed 30 community classes, two courses, and an online course portal. Each of your health products is formulated based on current scientific research combined with traditional global healing practices and manufactured in small batches in Colorado from sustainably sourced organic botanicals. That's what I meant when I said you're bringing a level of seriousness and credibility to this category that will separate you from others. So tell me some of the hurdles you've encountered in your attempts to expand the company. So a big one, I mean, well, first of all, staying organized, it's kind of hard all the time to be wearing all of the hats in the business. But um, in terms of expanding things, at first, it was really easy because I was teaching classes. I was already a high school science teacher directing the science department, and I knew how to teach really well. So I was teaching community classes, coming up with some courses in the back of my head. It was really when the product idea began, which was roughly, I would say, about four years ago. With that, I started to realize, like, hey, I can purchase different things from a variety of places. But then how long does it take to actually sell them? How is the quality of the herbs that gets actually to the consumer and then by the time that they are going to consume it? So I really started actually getting quite fascinated about supply chain botanicals early on because I, I did see, you know, like spearmint, for example, I had bought a ton of, I bought like five pounds, which is quite a bit when you're just starting out. <laughs> I had no idea really how much five pounds of spearmint looked like, how much that was. <laughs> well, it was a lot. It was like over a five gallon bucket full. So <laughs> as you might, <laughs> wow. as you might imagine, it lasted. You're still, you're still working on that, um, um, well, that first bucket? I would be, but so the thing was, is I noticed the quality of the herbs declining and I had read in my training for herbalism, like, okay, the quality of herbs you can look at first and foremost, what's the color? And so I started to recognize like, oh, wait, my herbs are already going bad. I haven't sold all of these, you know, and they're already declining in quality. So Quality was the first thing. And then actually that came up again with COVID. Just my last, uh, my last batch that I ordered from one of my companies, you could tell a drastic difference in the coloration of like lavender, for example. So my lavender supply was not very good looking compared to even actually the shipment prior, which told me, okay, there's something going on in the supply chain. So that's always been an interesting journey. And then also looking at the carbon footprint, because I'm very environmentally oriented and looking at sustainability at all times and making sure like how far are these herbs actually traveling, figuring out a sustainable way for myself also as a small business to be able to afford those high quality herbs from more local sources. Usually it's I don't know, I would say on average, it's three or four times the price of ordering elsewhere. So that's been a journey. That's probably been my primary thing that's most fresh in my head. But secondly, I would certainly say 
communicating to customers the science behind the products and really like how high quality they actually are. Because they'll look at, say, an elderberry syrup or a tincture of some sort and say, oh, I can get it for $8 here. Why is yours 24 You know, and they don't understand, well, I'm looking at the percent alcohol, I'm looking at the phytochemicals in my plants, and then seeing like, okay, how does that extract out? And then compounding that together to make sure that we have everything that we want in that one formula. So there's a lot of, I think, a lot of steps in communicating that to people and figuring out how to effectively communicate it. And of course, getting the word out there. Every entrepreneur's nightmare (laughs) is getting, getting the word out there and saying like, hey, who wants my products? How can I snag you in and get hooked on these different botanicals that will change your life and actually just have them try it, you know, and see for themselves what they think. Well, and and your point about people price shopping you points out an issue of simply education. Absolutely. How do botanicals work? How should people who are manufacturing them manufacture them? What's what's the best practice in this industry? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a huge educational challenge, I imagine. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think also the use of these different things like when I say tincture a lot of people may not know what that is. So I compare it to vanilla extract because it's a tincture basically because you take the plant, soak it in alcohol. So it can be as easy as that or you can look beyond and look at the different types of ratios and phytochemistry behind it. So there's definitely different ways of making the same thing. But in the end, once you actually consume it, the physiological effect of what will happen can be vastly different. So educating people around that is definitely a challenge. Yeah, I understand that. I'm going through similar things with with my business because I'm doing something very different. It's easy to know where to reach up on the shelf for a certain product or service. It's not so easy if you don't know where it even fits on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Opening, Trying to open up new categories is, is really a challenge. Yes, definitely. And also like adulteration, by the way. I don't know if you've heard that word in the herbal world, but there's a lot of products on the shelf, unfortunately, that are claiming that they're a certain plant and they actually aren't. Wow. So that's a, a huge thing also. It's like 30% um, across all products. And so it's a, it's a very scary thing to not actually know for sure what's in your product. The, the regulation of this industry, I'm sure, has come up many times. It has, yes. So it's not heavily regulated. And there's a couple of great companies that are working on looking at uh, like the Sustainable Herb Project, or I think um, like Identity. Oh, there's there's one that's something like that. But it's really trying to educate the community about, hey, make sure that you know where your herbs are coming from and what company your company is so that you're not just buying something that may be filler product <laughs> half and half, and you're just paying a lot for something that's not even going to work. For sawdust. <laughs> Yep, exactly. Yeah, they found like crazy things in some of these samples that they did tests on. So it's kind of wild to think that people are buying maybe sawdust, you know, and 
cottonwood tree leaves. No, that wasn't one of them, but (laughs) (laughs) so it's pretty interesting. So back to your business in what business practices have you been most successful and least successful? I love talking. So I think that I've been successful in trying to get my, trying to get my name out there talking with the community. So here in Denver, I've worked pretty closely with like the Small Business Development Center, our Denver Public Library, and as a result, got a publication in both of those for their annual report. And I really like being community driven and love talking and educating and is at the Colorado History Museum a couple of times for Colorado Day to celebrate our state um, as one of the vendors. And so I think, you know, really getting involved has been a, a shining point for me and getting recognized for it and or getting publicized alongside those different events has been really great. So I think that area and then just having been a teacher, you know, I love teaching and putting different teaching events out in the community has been really easy for me as well. And formulating, like I love crafting. I love putting stuff together. I have a very entrepreneurial spirit. So that's why I've been hanging in there for six years, trying to make things work. You list yourself as a certified herbalist and a sexual wellness expert. What's the distinction? Or is there one? So there, I would say there is. So a certified herbalist, basically, if you have gone through an herbal program, you can call yourself a certified herbalist. There's different programs and the industry is not regulated in terms of, you know, like saying I'm a nutritionist, for example, that is a regulated profession. And so you have to do the board, like take boards for it. With herbalism, there's a lot of herbal programs that will say, okay, now you're certified. So it's really more of like, who have you studied with? Where have you been? How long have you been practicing herbalism? And it's all herbal focused. The second part, the sexual wellness expert piece is something that I kind of just adopted the name for. And that one has a whole nother story behind it through my business in pure romance for 13 years. So this actually spans even more than my herbalism training. But um, I don't know if you're familiar with pure romance parties or not. (laughs) No, no, I I haven't been invited to any. Yep, well, (laughs) so traditionally what it is, is I or a consultant basically goes into somebody's home, they are having a party, and it's basically an educational presentation, but with the focus on sexual health and wellness. And so over the last 13 years, I have had the extreme joy of being able to do this on and off, full-time, part-time, whatever I need that business to be, and have learned so much from it, from you know just actual training, because the company provides great training in sexual health and wellness, but then also that direct conversation with each person at that party when they come into the ordering room, which is confidential. It's there that I've heard so many stories about loss of sex drive or maybe, you know, anxiety and people not being able to function in the bedroom and or people that are just too stressed or they have low energy. And so it's really the compilation of the thousands of women's stories from those parties that have inspired my women's health product line. 
and just like really hearing it from, you know, from all these women across seven different states over 13 years. So that's what has really driven my product development for my botanicals. They are two different things for sure, but they definitely blend together in my company in Bridget's Botanicals. So one informs the other. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Are certified herbalists or sexual wellness experts required to get CEUs, continuing education units? We are not. Um, I love to, however, and I think I think a lot of people like to learn, hopefully, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> I think being a being a teacher, you know, I love learning more things. So I've always made it a priority to get more credits from somewhere. Like I have half of a degree from Harvard Extension School. I have a half of a degree from Georgetown University, and those are graduate programs. I did drop out of those, by the way. It was just more more of just what fit was I looking for and how much money did I want to spend or where was I in my life at the moment. Right. Yeah, it's I think that there's a lot of great resources. There's a lot of great conferences, convergences for herbalists, and also the sexual health and wellness community is quite large and there's wonderful opportunities to actually have those different learning experience if you so choose. Now, you told me what you've been successful at. I can't let you off the hook. <laughs> what have you been least successful at in uh, running your business? Mm. Oh, man. Keeping everything in order, like financially. <laughs> so, um, there's, I can identify. Yeah, so definitely, it's I've invested a lot of money over the last six years. Um, and then also a friend helped me out with a personal loan. But yeah, definitely kind of keeping that in order and projecting like, okay, what's going to come next? Or what's my projected sales for this? And I'll get a lot of stuff done. And then like when it comes to actually implementing things to get the sales to then help the finances and fix my quote, quote, books. <laughs> uh, I kind of fall, everything just falls through the cracks. And I'm like, oh, crap, that was supposed to be posted a week ago. Or, oh, whoops, I didn't apply for that market or that loan or that scholarship or grant or I don't know, whatever it might be. Sometimes the follow up with my own business execution and definitely <laughs> keeping my book straight. So that's what I, that's what I would say in all honesty. <laughs> That's a universal truth among all entrepreneurs, I suspect. I know it is with me. So, Bridget, now we get down to the, some of the essential questions. What's unique about you that makes you the one to bring this level of credibility to the botanical medicine space? Why you? So, I it's really a tripod is how I might describe it. So, my years of travel, I've traveled all over the globe in different countries, studying plants, studying with different healers and or teachers and or doctors, even like naturopathic doctors. So bringing that into light. So I have that traditional medicine background alongside the herbal schools that I have been to. And then another leg would be all of that science that I have up my sleeve. All, uh, I don't know how many years it is eight years or so, six or eight years of, <laughs> of science. And then that third one is really the having worked with so many women over 13 years to really understand 
women's health and women's sexual well-being. And overall, those three things, I think, truly do create a really unique product and also unique courses, unique perspective. I'm hoping that really Bridget's Botanicals does grow and does help to save the planet, if I could be so bold. (laughs) Um, Because hopefully as people start to take different, use different botanicals, they recognize also that the planet needs to stay healthy to also continue providing those botanicals for them to stay healthy. So have this sort of cyclical, synergistic, symbiotic effect, if you will. Saving the planet's a big goal. I think you're, I think you're on your way there. Thank you. Just, just from meeting you. <laughs> tell me this. Tell me about the drink mix, the aphrodisiac drink mix. Oh, yes. The sexual vitality. That one? Is that the one you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah. So the sexual vitality is a delicious blend of several different herbs, one of which is, it's called Damiana. It's a shrub that actually grows natively in Mexico. And there's, I just think it tastes delicious, but there's a couple of other delightful plants. I feel like it's a luscious combination. And um, as you drink it every day, or, you know, every other day, it starts to help you feel more aroused, but it's also supporting your nutrient levels, which is a foundation of feeling sexy and healthy and having that high sexual vitality. So the tea is really meant to boost your sex life and make you feel well-nourished and luscious and sexy. So that's the tea. I love the fact that you're exploring all over the landscape of where you can deliver new products like an aphrodisiac bar drink I love. Mm-hmm. Because who to thunk? If nothing else, it'll get conversations started in bars. Yeah. Oh, and the <laughs> bar know. one, and maybe you're talking about this frolic, is the aphrodisiac bitters. Oh, tell me about that. Yep. So frolic is a really, again, another delicious combination of botanicals. And it acts again also on that level of relaxation because it does have lavender in it. But then it also has Damiana, which is the world's top aphrodisiac, I would say, and lots of historical use to prove that. (laughs) But yeah, it's delicious. You can combine it in pretty much anything, ideally in gin or vodka. It adds a nice floral hint to whiskey beverages. And or you could even put some on top of ice cream, use it in a, as an extract in frosting. If you're baking cupcakes or something, you can put it just in lemonade or spritzer type of what is called bubbly water or champagne. So has a lot of different uses. And yeah, lots of fun, sexy cocktails that you could use with it for first date or kind of reignite fun with your partner. So all sorts of stuff. Love it. So, Bridget, this has been great. To learn more about Bridget Malloy and Bridget's Botanicals, go to bridgetsbotanicalworld.com. That's without any apostrophe after Bridget. It's bridgetsbotanicalworld.com. Bridget, thank you. This has been really enlightening, and you're definitely a troublemaker in your industry. So I wish you all the luck in the world with where you're heading. Thank you so much, Steve. It was super fun to chat with you as well. This has been a Trouble Group podcast. Learn more about us at troublegroup.com. 
If you're a troublemaker and want to be on the podcast, email steve at troublegroup.com.